Welcome to the Talented Learning Show podcast series, episode 23, with independent learning tech analyst John Lynn. Today I interview Lars Hyland, Chief Learning Officer at Totor Learning, about the advantages and applications of open source learning technology. You can find more of our content at talentedlearning.com. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Talented Learning Show. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning technology from both the vendor and the practitioner standpoints. Today, from the vendor expert side of the fence, is the world-renowned Lars Hyland at Totara Learning. Lars has spent a 27-plus year career in the e-learning industry and has deep knowledge of learning technology in all its forms and how it can be harnessed to deliver effective and engaging learning experiences, both in the extended enterprise workplace and in education. He's also an expert in the open source learning technology solutions that have been making major inroads into the extended enterprise learning technology market. Lars, thanks so much for joining me today. Let's start at the beginning and have you tell us a bit about Totara Learning and your open solution. Totara is very much dedicated to transforming the learning technology marketplace. That's our real focus. And we do that by uh, providing a powerful, flexible, an open learning technology platform called uh, Totra Learn. Um, we also have another product, Totra Social, uh, which is all about social learning. And um, we're actively in development this year with a performance management tool um, uh, and an engagement tool that's sort of LXP um, complementary to the rest of the platform. So um, it's quite quite active for us. We're seeing extremely uh, high level of growth uh, for, for Totara and our wider ecosystem of partners. And this has all happened since um, since 2010. Um, interesting fact about Totara is we are uh, based and born out of uh, Wellington, New Zealand, um, and also Brighton, UK, which is where I'm speaking to you now from. But we operate globally. Um, and in that short period of years, we've grown to 1,700 organizations now using Totoro. Um, I think it's 47 countries now that, uh, that Totoro is in use um, across the world. This is, as I say, this is very much driven by our expert partner network, which now numbers around 100 partners worldwide. Uh, you guys are a unique spot uh, in the industry. That's why I invited you uh, on here today is to educate uh, our listeners really about the potential of open source. Uh, in the corporate side and extended enterprise side of the market that uh, that we traditionally haven't had access to uh, really as a as a viable solution on uh, in in the corporate sector for for learning management. What's the advantage of open source and what's the advantage of Totor open source and what do you mean by open? Sure. Um, well, this is something that goes beyond the you know, just the learning technology sector in particular. I mean, it's something we're bringing to that to that market space and, and bringing those benefits. Um, it's worth pointing, I think, to a recent uh, sort of survey and research that Red Hat, who Red Hat being, um, you know, one of the original exponents of of taking open uh, software, open source software, and 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 providing a an enterprise quality um, sort of service layer around that to make to make it comfortable for organizations to to take advantage of, of what you know is a highly innovative um, software and indeed you know you just uh, look around you I mean the internet itself in many cases is largely driven with open source software under it um, uh, you know look in your smartphone uh, invariably that's open um, uh, source driven especially on Android um, but you'll see it 
everywhere. Uh, so um, it's quite interesting that that um, you know in the in the learning technology space um, that certainly in the corporate side that this is now becoming much more of a mainstream um, consideration. I think, and a big part of that I think is driven by, uh, as I say, this Red Hat survey um, sort of points this out really. There's it numbers 69% of CIOs, so chief information officers, they believe enterprise open source is either very or extremely important to their businesses. And then another 20% of that, so we're talking 89 in total, think it's important. <laughs> so that's quite a significant percentage that really is is fully uh, you know, adopting open source as, as a core part of their technology stack and infrastructure. So. Uh, I can only see that trend extending into the learning technology infrastructure as well. It, 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 it sort of will naturally flow in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, at, at Totra, I mean, we, you know, we have, um, you know, been I think leading that wave in the corporate sector for, for since our existence, um, and we we've built that around the freedoms that, that open source, I think, or open technology really offers. So a key thing here is open technology or open source technology still needs good, you know, professional support around it. And that's why um, we, we exist and it's how we provide that support out to our partners who then innovate um, and provide sort of personalized, customized, or custom service, customer service to, to their customers. And they'll be wherever they are in the world regionally, but they'll also target certain sectors. And that ability to be able to extend um, to you know, customize in, in controlled ways to meet specific business needs of a sector or even down to an individual organization so that they can really properly differentiate themselves in, in, in whatever their endeavors are is really critical. Um, and, and because it is open in that way uh, and because of the model that we have around our subscription structures and, and, and empowering the partners to really deliver um, more, should we say, for any available budget that an organization may have, you know, that total cost of ownership does become much more attractive as well. So you get the benefits of being able to be more agile and flexible, and at the same time, um, either save money or probably more sensibly, you're, you're actually directing the investments you're making to where it adds most value. So you can keep keep a pace with, uh, with, with what is quite a considerable amount of uncertainty in most sectors and markets these days. So yeah, so it's characterized, it's giving that freedom and that control back over to the customers where traditionally when you're in a proprietary environment, proprietary software, there's a tendency towards that control moving over to the vendor. So you, you, you may find yourself down cul-de-sacs, you know, and either, and it could be a commercial one or it could be a, uh, a technology feature led one where you just cannot do what you now need to do um, to meet the needs of your business. So if you're a commercial solution then you have a box and, and basically the customers need to fit inside that box and want to do business the way that you have it, the way that you have it designed for the most part or in, within the configuration options. Conversely with an open source solution really uh, mold that solution then to each particular customer and so instead of paying license fees you take that same budget and then you pay for professional services so that you have a really unique experience tailored to your organization 
Is that a you do? Re summary of what you're saying, or is that different? <laughs> That's broadly correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I say, it's it's, and and yet you still got this um, um, uh, sort of us as an R and D center, should we say? Um, building out a product that is innovative, it benefits from a really powerful and um, informative feedback mechanism through our partner network and our customers who are innovating on the edge around this. They don't have to wait for our roadmap necessarily, but they absolutely inform our roadmap. So that, you know, that, that, that process is, is, is um, you know, enables real needs to be met in sort of localized ways at the time they need it, and yet that can then f that does filter back into the core product, and then you know that becomes something that we then maintain and support from the center, uh, and that over time is where you get um, you know that rapidly sort of uh, dropping or, or sustained um, uh, very good value total cost of ownership. Mm -hmm. So you may so I'm trying to make a distinction feels a bit subtle perhaps but there's a distinction between customization uh, which can be quite challenging to manage right so software you know that, that hence the switch over you know there's been a trend towards the cloud and towards software as a service and part of those reasons is because if you if you fully if you're working with customizable proprietary software then you can it can get quite expensive to maintain right um, over time so if you're doing that unilaterally as any one individual organization that that is really quite expensive to, in both time, money, business, attention, etc. Hence, shifting over to a more cloud operator sort of view. Now, from our perspective, what we're trying to do is give you almost the best of all worlds. So you can tap into a, a product um, that is professionally built and maintained exactly the same way as you expect of any any you know large-scale professional company that does this um, and yet what we've done is we've opened it up so that it enables um, expert partners uh, and individual organizations to be able to host that wherever they need it so you know in a cloud setup somewhere or on-premise if need be um, and to utilize the right mix of functionality to suit their particular needs um, and it's configurable it's tailorable to meet to meet those those specific needs, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's it's trying to get that we're trying to you know offer that that something different actually, and especially commercially. Um, I read, read a recent paper actually on procurement practices, and um, you know there's there are some problems there in terms of buying um, any type of software, but in particular learning technology types of platforms where um, you know you can get commercially locked in into something that won't align with your business as your business needs change and that's something I think we answer quite well or very well is that if you become part of the total ecosystem should we say and that you know, becoming a, a total user then you are in control of where you take it and at what speed at which you do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so just let me clarify real quickly so your your business model then is you have no at, at Totora in New Zealand or Brighton uh, you have no uh, professional services you you don't actually interact and, and deploy for any of your end user clients it's always through your through your network of certified partners is is that correct 
uh, it's that's like 99% or 95% true. <laughs> um, I mean, the reason being is, you know, we're from the ground up, we were built to, you know, to enable and empower. Um, what we saw were learning technology providers out there around the world um, who were unilaterally trying to build their own sort of LMS type platform, say, um, struggling to maintain them and, and keep them competitive. Um, and in fact, you know, they can offer much better value to their customers by being part of that total ecosystem and being able to meet those specific needs of their customers um, without having to have that sort of um, that burden, if you like, of having to maintain and build that uh, on an ongoing basis. Organizations' needs do change. It might be that they would get uh, an alternative set of service, service benefits from working with another partner or in collaboration with another partner. Mm -hmm. um, so they can evolve you know, and work with different partners. Um, it's their choice. It's their choice to do that and mm -hmm. because they retain, you know, they the, the actual instance and, and, and of what they are utilizing. You know, they they can if they if they really wanted to, they could even take direct control of that and, and run it in house. How does one become a partner? How do you control the quality of the partners? And are all the partners kind of similar in, in demographics, or are they some big companies, some small companies? Tell tell us about what the partner network looks like it seems like that's one of your key that is one of your key differentiators sure um so the partners um you know there's a hundred of them now around the world so we have good representation um across across the globe but it, it acts like an ecosystem so you're right to point out that we have some very large organizations as partners um so some big consultancies uh, deloitte being one example um uh, uh through to um you know, very good, um, very focused um, learning um, services, agencies almost, if you like. So they're you know, very strong in content, very strong in, in platform management as well, and designing a full solution to support an organization. So there's a whole range there. Uh, Kineo's one of our founding partners. Um, we have Catalyst um, IT, who are uh, uh, very strong in open source in, in broader terms, um, in terms of infrastructure. So they're another founding partner. And then we have as I say, um, a lot of representation in different countries around the world. So some will focus on perhaps simple technology services, others will provide content around in addition to the platform, some will provide consultancy um, and other integration level types of services um, as well. So it depends on your own individual needs. So an organization that may be very fresh to this with relatively straightforward needs may, you know, may, will, will suit one particular type of partner. Um, as those needs may be, become more sophisticated, then there's a partner. There's another partner that could that can step in. So I guess the advantage is then, if you know you're a traditional commercial company, you know, how do you staff all that expertise and just have it waiting around for the different types of clients and applications and regions? You know, so it becomes almost impossible. But with uh, you know a hundred different partners with different specialties, differently regionally located. It gives you the ability to provide a level of service to clients that you would never be able to do individually or staff individually, and, and that's probably the advantage. That is. So, um, so I was just. Um, so you also mentioned. So you also mentioned um, how do we maintain um, standards across the partner ah, network? Exactly. And um, essentially, uh, you know, we we take that very very seriously. We have a partner program in place that, um, you know, people. That, that any anyone who's interested in becoming a partner and and please do get in contact if you are um, 
that uh, uh, that we that there is a qualification process now this is not one way it's, it's a two-way thing it's a collaborative thing because partners themselves um, stand to gain enormously for their business this you know, totally provides really uh, fantastic opportunities to build better relationships and grow their own businesses and grow the the, 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 the quality of relationship they have with their own customers and we've seen that time and time again with joining that that program um, you have access to what we call the Totra community and an academy, and in there we have a whole series of of certifications and courses um, and resources that you can tap into. Um, so we provide that support layer that provides a good foundation, quite a high foundation level, to enable our partners' own staff and also reach out to the actual uh, customers and learning professionals inside organizations can use the community itself to learn how to get the best out of the Totra platform but also to um, collaborate share and also um, yeah um, understand what good practice looks like when it comes to uh, delivering a quality learning uh, online learning experience should we say so there's a lot of resources in there uh, that we that we provide well for all my listeners uh, regular listeners that were wondering how I was going to pull this back around to extended enterprise uh, there you have the, the link right there uh, Todra uh, uses their platform to, to train and certify their extended enterprise uh, network of channel partners and that enables those channel partners to then grow their business and support their clients, which is the exact use case uh, we talk about all the time in extended enterprise and, and probably the perfect transition point. Lars, you've just got done writing uh, a whole white paper and researching a whole white paper on extended enterprise. And extended enterprise seems to be a, uh, you know important area of, of growth uh, to uh, Totara. Can you take a moment to, to comment on that? Uh, you're certainly using your own platform to support your own extended enterprise, and, and I know firsthand of you uh, using uh, the Totara platform to support customer training initiatives, e-commerce initi initiatives, channel learning initiatives, you know, across a whole range of, of organizations. How important is, is EE, extended enterprise, to Totara? Is, is that a main thing on your, your, your radar? Uh, give us some comments on that, please. Sure. I'm, I, from my perspective, I think extended enterprise is, is really sort of becoming much more mainstream. And I think the, um, the reason for that is that organizations themselves and how they structure themselves and how they engage in whatever they're focused on doing in their chosen markets um, uh, are less hierarchical, they're less siloed than they used to be. And if they still are those things, then, then they're going to be struggling to to sort of keep up with uh, with the competitive uh, nature of their their chosen markets, so uh, organisations are necessarily becoming more porous, um, and that means I think using you know there's not they're not just uh, a bunch of employees directly you know on the payroll. Um, you've got contractors, you've got freelancers, you've got micro businesses, you've got resellers, and and you've got um, customers themselves, all all are audiences and stakeholders that require sort of um, orientation around your products and services that you may be offering. And learning is critical to that. You know, you need a mechanism to do that. Um, so 
any organization of any sort of size and shape um, will have an extended enterprise implementation in time if they don't already. Um, and I think, you know, we're seeing that, we're seeing that uh, happening um, across our existing uh, customer base that we see, um, and we see growing interest in it. And we see, in particular, open technology being being that flexible option that enables you to meet these different sorts of needs. So if you're an organization that's quite sizable, you might, you know, enterprise level, 3,000, 5,000 staff, keep going up, um, then you'll have a particular use case that sort of faces internally maybe. But increasingly you're seeing that, as I say, in a very porous way, sort of reach out to other uh, other audiences that are outside your actual organization. Um, and it goes all the way out, out to the customer itself. So, um, yeah, it's critical. I think it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be the main mainstay of, yeah. uh, of, of the industry, really. Uh, I believe I, I believe that too. I and uh, bet my career on it. As it turns out, <laughs> starting down, yeah. down down to learning. You know, I think an important point to note, uh, you know, from an advantage of the open source standpoint, you know, from that cost perspective, is that it's common for you know, in a, uh, you know, maybe a software company, for example, to have a thousand or two thousand employees, but they might have a million customers or a million users. Yeah. And, and so, you know, with commercial, uh, I just ran into that uh, th this very week with with one of our clients. But with commercial clients, you know, they they want to essentially charge for each one of those million users in some way or another. And so, you know, the size and the scale and the cost of extended enterprise, you know, really gets enormous in a hurry uh, with, with those, those large numbers of scenario and you're, you're investing all of that into the platform and, and really none of that into the uh, all the content is still all incremental uh, to th those license fees and so you know to, to think about open as a, as a way to take that same pot of money and, and invest you know half of it into content versus 99 percent of it in the platform uh, it, you know is a, is a way to be more efficient for sure. Absolutely, and it de-risks uh, that model as well quite considerably. We have some examples where you know it's a, of those order of magnitude of users or potential users, million users around the world, you know, and there and those users come through mediated organisations around the world, you know, and and yet you're you're, provi you're trying to provide some sort of consistent um, communications and learning opportunities. Um, through that, now um, reaching out to that group, you know, it, you know, how do you manage such large numbers of users? Um, well, good news is you know, our platform can handle that sort of thing. Um, but from a technology point of view, but it also um, commercially, you know, it's it's viable you know, to, to, mm -hmm. to do it that way. Uh, as you say, you know, it's it's. You could you can get yourself into <laughs> into trouble <laughs> if you're not careful um, if um, if the commercials are uh, don't don't allow for flexible um, sort of user models. Uh, I, I mean, incident one example of that is that we 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 have a quite generous sort of model for our sort of subscriber user tiers. We have a tiered model, so there are different charges for subscription, but um, they tend to they focus on active users. So you know, for example, if you had a million addressable user base, if half a million are active, then that's what you're 
yeah, that's where the, the commercials sort of level out. How important is it, or how maybe a better way to phrase it, how often do you encounter in the marketplace organizations just worrying about their extended enterprises by themselves versus looking for a holistic solution for all their audiences. So do you find it's more common that you might just find a customer service or a business group that is deploying channel or customer learning? Uh, or do you, do you find it's more common that, you know, the organization is looking to say, okay, I want one system for everybody and how can we do that? Do you see any trends in, in the marketplace from your perspective? No, no real trends other than I think that it's, it's, it's more, at this time, I think it's more frequent that you'll get uh, an organization, certainly if it's a sizable organization, that will look for another system or, or be focused on their external audience and, and will, you know, uh, purchase or build a solution um, uh, around those needs and not necessarily reflect that back into what they already have for mm -hmm. serving their internal needs. And usually that's practical because as I said before, you may be locked into something that you can't move out of very easily or change very easily, so you just leave that alone and you start again over here. Mm -hmm. um, but what we also see is people might backfill from that, so they may look at the flexibility that they've achieved with the um, sort of extended sort of enterprise solution and then go, well, actually, this will meet our internal audience, so at the appropriate moment, they can actually backfill. So that, that's one dynamic that, that we see. Um, mm -hmm. Occasionally, you'll get people, yeah, I mean, smaller, maybe smaller organizations are, or organizations that are sort of haven't really committed to an, an, uh, sort of an enterprise learning platform fully um, will then take a more broader view and, and go, right, okay, we now understand what our needs are. You know, we've experimented maybe, we've had a try, right, okay, we now understand that we're going to need these internal requirements and then we also absolutely know we have external audience requirements, so how do we make this one platform achieve those things? You know, imagine if you have to extract yourself from that, which you might have to. Uh, that, that could be a strategic challenge um, down the line. So that, that's that's why we always advise, and all our partners, I think, tend to advise that you know think carefully about what what it is you're trying to do, and what your what the dynamics are that, around your organisation, around your business sector or market sector and regions, etc. Um, you know, how will you handle uncertainty? How will you handle changing changing needs? Um, mm -hmm. You know, so that's why it all, it all comes back to that flexibility. There you have it, uh, sage advice from Lars Highland, uh, Chief uh, Learning Officer at Totor Learning. Um, I think we can all expect to, to see more open source in extended enterprise uh, going forward as a, an option. Uh, that, that really makes a lot of sense from, as we've been saying, flexibility standpoint, but also from, uh, from a cost standpoint, an investment and a total cost of ownership standpoint and the ability to integrate into the diverse ecosystems, technical ecosystems uh, that exist in extended enterprise. So those three things I think are, are uh, making a very welcoming market here to uh, bring in open source, which is everywhere, uh, except our industry, into our industry uh, here, more mainstream. So uh, thanks for coming and sharing uh, your expertise and teaching us all about it. You're welcome, John. Enjoyed it. Well, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the Talented Learning Show with independent tech analyst John Lane. We hope to have you on the next one, and you can find more of our resources at talentedlearning.com.